Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be with you, even though we've, um, we've lost an hour of sleep. I think I feel it. I may have gotten to bed about 12.30 or 1 this morning. Maybe a little later than that, but um, at any rate, I have a lot to, um, to share with all of you this morning. And um, I, there's a lot to this teaching that I've, I've really condensed. I've got two or three more that I've already started developing that are related to the, um, the, the Greek word we're going to look at this morning. And <clears throat> there's some Old Testament equivalents that there's just, it's, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed by how, how the Spirit of the Lord can direct us to verses and passages that really relate to where you are in, in, your, in your walk with Him. It just, it never ceases to amaze me. Um, that, that's, he, he does that to help, <clears throat> for, for a lot of reasons, but really to help guide us in the pathway. And let us know that we haven't missed Him, or we, He's not made a mistake, or you know whatever we struggle with internally. And the topic that we're going to focus on this morning is uh, temptation. Now, whenever you, whenever you see that word and you read it in the King James, immediately our, our, our thought process starts to lean in a certain direction. I mean, <clears throat> and... We're really missing the, the depth of, of this word. And I hadn't really studied it in great detail till now. Um, and it's really based off of uh, a lot of the things I'm going to share are um, things that I've. And when I say I, I'm not focused on being self-centered here. It's just I can only speak about things that I've walked through over the last few months. <clears throat> and I know it's very, very insightful and I know it's helped encourage me in the midst of the last few months were so chaotic <laughs> and that's just putting it mildly <laughs> they were so challenging and it was just it's just it's all part of our walk let's face it we've been in, been at this for over 20 years and the seasons that we walk through are very different you know, and I and I do believe, you know, the, the four seasons that we have kind of are our depiction of uh, different times that we go through in, in our walk in the Lord. May, whether it's the winter season, summer, fall, I think the four seasons are there for a reason. And I think those align with uh, uh, the principle of the fourfold in, in some way. That's not this teaching, but the, the, the title of this message this morning is a prophetic title. I know this to be an absolute fact because the Lord has really helped me see how important it is, no matter what we are facing, He wants us to be functioning in the midst of whatever is going on around us, externally or internally. And it just happens to be, in this case, functioning in the midst of temptation. Now, when you, when you hear that word temptation, I remember as a young boy sitting in church and, you know, anytime this topic would come up, everybody would lean more to sexual sin. That's pretty much all you ever heard. That's pretty much all you ever thought. Okay? And that, that can be a, a, a part of this term, but it's so much more than that. So when God uses it, and we can... You know, we can see this as we as we look at the scripture, but um, the actual Greek term is is the is the word parasmos, and it and it really means it's it's a noun, and it means to a putting to proof. It um, also refers to experience. And this was kind of interesting, you know, as you look at strong, strong has these different words and solicitation, discipline provocation and adversity okay so so what i did you don't have this on your sheet but what i broke this definition down and really really went in into great detail you know because when you think of solicitation immediately you start going oh well, wait a minute that's kind of a weird word to use but the principle of it speaks of an enticement or or an allurement 
something trying to pull you away or draw you away. And you see, when you think of solicitation in that way, yeah, it has other meanings. But in the context of what we're talking about is God's intention with what we're faced with in, as it relates to a temptation, as it were. Now, I don't know if that's a good way to um, translate that term, but the principle is really whatever you are facing that's trying to draw you away or entice you or make it all shiny, look real good, is trying to allure you away from the, the, the pathway. Okay, That's not God's intent. But what if, for whatever reason, He does allow us to be tempted in this way. And it's going to be different for all of us. What you're facing, what your, cha your challenge is at, at the moment, or what it's been over the last few months, it might be similar, but it's going to be vastly different because we're not all facing the same things. And so as I begin to look at this, now you, uh, uh, putting to proof, it just means to, um, to me, that means... If you look at it and you study it really deeply and linguistically, it means you're able to withstand something. Now, the first example, I don't have it on this sheet here, but we should immediately think about Job, right? God is never, he is never going to allow something that will lead to our failure. He will never let that happen. Did you hear what I did? He is, he's not setting us up for failure. He did not, that was not within the thoughts nor in the heart of God when, 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 when God initiated, when Yahweh initiated that conversation and he initiated it and he said, have you considered my servant Job? At that moment, God himself knew and he identified him as a servant. He's perfect. So he's speaking about the internal identity and who this man is or woman. It, it, it can be, it's, it's genderless. Isn't that ironic? Um, don't even like to go down that pathway too much, but considering all the things that are going on in our, in our world today, which is crazy. So God knew the very end before this was initiated. He, 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 he will never, He doesn't want us to fail. He does not want us to uh, ever think that He's forsaken us, even though we do have that feeling because of our, our, our fallen nature. I think that's part of the fall, the corruption. We were all perfect until sin entered into the world. And so inside of us, we have all these inner cravings and longings from a humanistic standpoint, but yet we have His Spirit, His perfect Spirit breathing in us that doesn't want any of that. <laughs> And so I've learned, and I'm using this terminology like the Apostle Paul, that whatever state I'm in spiritually, to be content. That is a process, my friends, at every stage in, in, in our pathway. And for the Apostle Paul to say, I have learned, I've had to learn this. Man, he, he, even, he even got so specific and he said, I know, what it, I know what it's like to be abased. I know what it feels like to be humble. I was going to say pummeled, and that's part of being humble. Is he pummels you to dust, right? Us. But it's for our good. You see, the way we think about God sometimes, it, get, it gets so um, commingled with our own human thought. And when we do that, we really start to go down a trail that God's like, why are you thinking that? I don't think that towards you. He has no evil thoughts towards us, right? I mean, we even know that. But I'm telling you, when you're walking through something that's different and very challenging that you, you thought you had a handle on or you had a grip on, He goes, well, wait a minute. This is taking it up a notch or two, and I'm, I'm doing this intentionally but my divine purpose is not to, for you to fail. I know you're going to, he knows you're going to succeed or he would have never allowed Job, uh, the, the initiation of that thing, when Satan said, hey, do this, he will curse you to your face. 
God knew Job was going to... He knew the end of the story already. He knew the narrative. He was the author of it, right? So, the last few months... And anybody that has any spiritual sense at all can see this. I'm not telling you anything that wasn't obvious. Everything we walk through, all our responses, whether they're good or they're bad, God knows them before we actually, before they happen, okay? Whenever we're faced with obstacles, or as some of our other friends say, obstacles, I've always, I've always <laughs> <laughs> Or whatever mountain it is in front of us. He knows whether we are ready to climb or whether we're wanting to just camp out and establish three tabernacles. I mean, he knows all of this. And so he's, he's allowed me to make a lot of mistakes over the last few months. I say he's allowed it because he sure didn't stop it. And it's for, it's for training, okay? It's for El Shaddai being there with us, tr troubling us. And I mean, you know, there's, there's verses, and, you know, Pastor spoke on them many weeks back. And um, so, one of the areas that I know for myself, I completely shut down for about a month and a half. I just. I just said, you know, what I'm facing, what I'm walking through is so horrific. I felt like I was 15,000 miles away from the Lord and He was the same for me. I felt like nobody cared. I, felt I was under the juniper tree. I spent time there like you have. People just don't acknowledge it. Um, I went through despair. Despair is, is, great, is much, much deeper than depression. Depression starts in, then you go into despair. And, and then, the, you know, you've got those internal things you're facing, and then you've got the external things that you're, you're walking through, and God's letting you sense things around you, spiritually what's going on in our world, and politics, and the government. And then He... he, he he terrifies you with dreams and visions, you know, and things that like he did with Job. And, you know, before you know it, you don't you don't know who you are, where you're at, what you're faced with. But, you know, it's horrible. And so you're walking through this this darkness. But it was a bit it was a bit beyond that. It was it was a gross darkness. I would I would say that um, um, I, I I'm just I'm just laying this all out for a reason in the midst of that. I was not functioning the way He had designed me to function in Him. I wasn't. He, you think God, He's going up there, he, oh, man, I didn't think He was going to do this, right? I don't, it's all for our training, right? We just don't know how the training is going to kind of pan out. We, we think we have an idea. I mean, I didn't want to have to walk through, and some of the things that we walk through is because of, um, the way we respond or the way we, we react, but you get where I'm going with this, is God allowed me, and some of it, well, He just allowed that to happen to show me. I wouldn't have known this scripture come alive like this until now had I not stopped functioning. And, and what I mean by that is I, I, I still love the Lord. You guys know what I'm saying, but there's times in life you know, what about, what about Job? I mean, what if, God, what if today, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what if God, uh, uh, Satan came and, and presented Sandra Carter or any of you in this room, and he does this before the Lord and says, you know what? He's only serving you because of all the stuff you, you, they have. He, he's only serving you or she's serving you because of this. this, this. And he's accusing you. And, he, and then the Lord says, you know what? No, they're my servant. They're perfect. I know who they are. Okay, you go ahead. I'm going to prove to you that they're going to pass this test or they're going to, this temptation as it were, they're going to walk it out. Yeah, they're going to make some mistakes along the way. Yeah, he's going to curse the day he was born. Who wouldn't do that in, in that kind of situation? None of us have lost our entire family and wiped out in one day. <laughs> that was horrific. Job was human. And God knew how he was going to react. But he also knew, you know, if, if we fast forward, we go all the way to the end of the book, we knew that, that Job, uh, he, 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 he won. I mean, so my point with all of this is 
the intent of God with whatever we're faced with, whatever the temptation may be that entices us to try to pull us away, God's intent is He wants us functioning in the midst of the temptation. So we're going to look at this word and where it's used. And I'm taking this one word. There's other derivatives. I've got other teachings I've already developed. I don't know. Maybe another one will come out of it in a seminar next week. And so we're going to look at this one. Now, I just gave you a breakdown of or a definition of what parasmos means. So it also means to experience. Now, I love this here, okay? To experience something, this may seem pretty obvious, but it means that you're observing, you're encountering, or you're undergoing things generally as they occur in the course of time. We have no control over what God has divinely destined for us to experience in Him. We have no control over that, right? We don't. He dictates this plan. (laughs) Whatever we're walking in is because we have to view everything through that lens, right? If we don't, we will be most miserable, like Paul wrote. So everything, he he allows everything to occur. Everything is filtered through... um, it, it, it just amazes me how God's thoughts and God's ways are not the way we think things should be done. Why would he do that to Job? I mean, you, you just have to wonder. Why, why does he allow us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Well, he wants us to know, I'm, I'm trying to teach you to not let fear govern your walk. Because I'm with you. It's that principle. And then, so I've already mentioned the term solicitation. The principle of it is an enticement or an allurement. And then this word here for parasmos also has uh, discipline in it. So when you discipline, when you think about a discipline, and there's different ways this applies, there's always training, instruction, or learning involved in any discipline that you're You know, you you go and you ask somebody that's an avid bike rider or motorcycle rider, whatever they are, um, um, ministers of the word. There's certain disciplines that that are um, in this and it's it's always training, always learning. And then the provocation here, obviously, and that word is actually used in in the uh, uh, the, in Psalms and in Hebrews, it means to it has the word provoke in it. So provoking or something that. incites or uh, instigates, it can be anger or an irritation of sorts. And it's actually, that's kind of what provocation means. And at its root is an irritation. Has anybody ever felt irritated beyond the norm over the last few months? I think mine has been every Asian in the dictionary. Agitation, irritation, frustration. I mean, it's just, and God knows that that, that's going to happen before it does. Why? and, And so that, that thought alone, God, how in the world can somebody, you, you prophetically tell somebody they're getting ready to do something that they said they would never do, but yet you still love that individual. It's just, it's just mind-boggling. And that's how God is so different than, than humans. And we can all be grateful for that. And it also means adversity. Adversity is some type of Condition that's marked by misfortune, calamity, or distress. So this word has all of that meaning in it. Parasmos. And God wants us to be, and it's also linked to the word function. You should immediately think about dunamis. And we're going to look at that together. So the first verse or passage that the Lord led me to over the last few months, and this has been a recurring thing, is this passage in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. I had never seen this in this way, but we're, we're, I'm going I'm to unpack it and we're going to look deeply at it. And it's specifically, what I want you to glean from this is we're given power to function in the midst of the temptation. Let's look at it. Now, before we get into this real deeply, though, you need to go back and read all the verses coming, uh, leading up to this because this speaks of, of, it starts off by the Lord saying, I do not want you to be agnoeo. 
And then it goes into pneumatikos, and it goes to pneumatikos uh, meat, pneumatikos drink. And then he, talk, and he transitions and starts going and talking about what happened in the wilderness. Those are all there for a reason. And it's very interesting that he starts speaking about his people that were, were, were in, enticed in, into idolatry and enticed to murmuring, and they mobilize serpents that came and, 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 and the destroying angel that came and, and just wiped everybody, a lot of, a lot of people out. But it, it indicates, it speaks directly to this leading up to this temptation. And we all face this to some degree. How many of you have murmured over the last couple of months? How many of you, or let's do the equivalent, complained? I'll put both my hands up my feet in the air if I need to, okay? We all do this. But the, um, and there's been teachings on this, so this is nothing new. But just go back and read it, and it leads into uh, verse 12. And it says this, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. Our attitude, our humble attitude must be this. The moment any one of us from the top down thinks we're above it, you're going to fall. I mean, that is a principle, and I think we're all there. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> and if we're not there, there will come a time frame where we will be abased, and we will learn what that really means. Um, and it's not very pleasant, but it's for our own good. And then he says this, and there has no temptation, here's, that, here's our word, parasmos, taken you, but is common to man, God is faithful, or God is pistis, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. Now, I want to stop there. So, here we have this concept of, of parasmos. It's a point where God is wanting us to empower us to be able to withstand and to, to be successful in the midst of temptation and not be overcome by it. And it says here, he will not suffer us. Not suffer there means he's not just said, okay, boom, here's this challenge. I'm leaving you here to yourself. It's not way. It says to, to not suffer means I'm not going to leave you alone in the midst of it. I'm so grateful because there were so many times over the last few months, the atmosphere has totally changed now. But a few months ago, I thought he had left me. I thought he didn't love me. I mean, I went, I can, can, can you go down the line? And he took me into, not, not initially, but over time, this verse started to be prominent in my thinking. And I can't even remember exactly, I'd have to go back when I was journaling it and think, man, but I know it was in the midst of all of this stuff that I'm talking about with temptation. And so it's always great to know that, that when we say God is faithful, it's in this context, when you are in the midst of something that is a challenge, a testing, something that's trying to entice you and potentially lure you away from the pathway, he says, I'm in this and I'm faithful. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm there with you. You might not feel me. You might not think I'm anywhere near you. But I am there in the midst of this with you. How many times? Did God say that to, to men and women throughout the Scripture? All the time. I mean, all the time. Moses, I'm with you. If your presence doesn't go, I'm not gonna, I'm with you, Moses. This is my mission. I'm with you. I've got things that, I'm gonna, that are going to happen along the way that will be indicators. Fire by night. Cloud by day, right? Those kind of outward manifestations of things that are going to occur to let you know that I'm with you. I'm not going to let you leave you alone to be tempted. Now, the word tempted here, this is the derivative of parasmos, and it's um, parazo. And it means, it's very similar to test, to feel like you're being scrutinized to the degree where everything about you and everything that's going on around you is under his lens, and he's looking. And a lot of this... There's a lot of things that come to the surface on the inside of you that you really didn't realize was still there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, this thing is raising its head up again. I need it to die. It's never actually going to be 
completely dead because we're still in this body, right? I mean, the carnal nature within us is still there. We're always going to have to contend with that. But he's in the midst of it, and he says, I'm not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Able is dunamai. Now, here's where this thing gets very interesting. Why in the world would he say dunamai here? And we know dunamai is the, is the, um, is the root of dunamis. Dunamis comes out from the dunamai. And when we're talking about anything related to dunamai or dunamis, we're not, it has nothing connected. It has no human element or alloy in it at all. We are talking about the ability and the possibility of God Himself on the inside of us in this temptation. And this, this shifted in, inside me. With, in my spirit, I thought, wait a minute. This is not anything to do with... With, with any part of who I am, this is Him inside me. So he, he really wants us to know that His divine ability and possibility and power is there, and He wants us to function in the midst of whatever temptation we're walking in. He's there with us, and it's His, his power helping us to function in all of it. Why? Well, I wonder why He's doing... You know, there must be some really difficult days ahead, right? I mean, we, we know prophetically, scripturally, that, that things are going to get rough. And we better be tough cream puffs, right? I mean, he's, he's taught us so many things. And so many times we get in the midst of challenge or temptation. And we're like, you know, I faced it 10 years ago, I faced it two days ago, but oh, this seems just so overwhelming. I can't make it, right? I don't feel like I can break through, you know. Everything just seems to be uh, uh, mountainous. It's too big, right? That's us. Label that voice. That's Mark speaking very loudly. <laughs> it's not the Spirit of God because he's like, I'm there with you. My power's there. You need to still function no matter... What's going on inside you or, or around you? And that's, that's the main thing that I've learned over the last few months is by not functioning how to function. Does that make sense? There's so much dysfunction around us. There's so much malfunction. Those are different terms that have different prefixes, different type of meaning. To, to malfunction and dysfunction, there's a, there a distinction there. We all know what it feels, or maybe not on a personal level, but dysfunctional family. You know, dysfunctional church. This church used to be dysfunctional in, in a lot of ways, spiritually. Uh, we used to be dysfunctional and call it function. But my, my point in all of this... It's whatever, whatever you are facing. Let, the atmosphere has totally changed, like I said. I mean, that's one of the evangelistic things that you, you're, you're gifting, is, is to know your gifting, to know when, when, when things are not, not that great and it's all dark around you, but the moment that breaks, God automatically starts to show it's a new day, it's a new dawning. Everything just changes atmospherically. And I'm so grateful... I'm not always quick to go, I recognize it, but it takes me some time to figure it all out. And now let's keep reading this, though. He says, you, sorry for so many different um, statements there in between all this. God is faithful who will not leave you alone and allow you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the parasmos. <laughs> See, here's what we want to say. Okay, Lord, thank you for the temptation. I'm glad you're there. Take it away. Remove it. <laughs> I mean, the Apostle Paul said this, a very similar thing in a different context, but the removal of the challenge, God's like, uh-uh. This is here to test, to prove, to help you learn how to withstand 
to help you be successful and not be overcome, um, not be enticed to the point that you, you, it lures you out away, it has a purpose in mind, and it's a greater purpose that we have to walk this stuff out to do and to teach. And he reminded me of that in all the midst of this too. He's like, you're doing this thing with me. I'm there. <laughs> it, it's just the way it is. We don't, we don't, I, we, we, we like to dictate and control things, okay? Humans like to do that. Let's just be honest. That human nature wants to control. You cannot, I repeat, control this. <laughs> you can ask for removal. You can cry tears day after day after day. And God's going to bring us right back to this point and say, I'm not removing it, but with this challenge or with this temptation, I'm going to make a way to escape. Now, a lot of people pull that out of this verse, but no, look where it's at. It's almost towards the end. Now, the word for make is a word that means to do something or it speaks of action. And so when God says he's going to make a way to escape, at some point in this process, he, well, we have to know that he's doing things behind the spiritual scenes. He's actively doing things. We just sometimes, we don't know a lot of th times what he's doing sometimes, but he'll give us an insight or he could open our eyes. I mean, he could show us. I'm not saying he can't, but mo a lot of times with me, he just says, okay, here's a word. He gave this like a month ago. And I'm like, I don't see escape. I see nothing. I mean, I'm just telling you, I, I escape. Lord, do you, do you know what's going on inside me? How I feel, what I'm walking through? Did you know I sat under the juniper tree for two hours yesterday? And I lamented. I'm, I mean, I'm saying all this stuff. It's like, you, you, you know, and I have to be careful that I don't weary God with my own words. I mean, that's a principle. And you think of that, I'm like, oh my God. You know how you, if you get around somebody that talks nonstop, 24-7, how it just, it just absolutely exhausts you? Imagine what all these words that people are just constantly just releasing. Imagine us when we get into that mode. Yeah, I guess he has to laugh, but I mean, we know he doesn't, God doesn't get tired like we do. I mean, but th that language is used to show us uh, I guess let your words be few would be a good point here, right? <laughs> so, so the way of escape is this. The word for escape here is of two, two Greek words, ek and basis. So when you, when, you, when you look at both of them, ek is from ekklesia, that's the prefix for that word. So out of our walk, there will become an exit that will be very, uh, very you, you'll know it. You'll be able to know the, uh, the exit point. It's not, it's not a total removal, but it's when it gets to the point of finality and completion. And why is he doing that? So you will be able to dunamai. So you will be able to recognize the divine ability and possibility of God on the inside of you so that you can bear it. And that word for bear is hupo pharaoh, and it means to, to stay underneath and to undergo the hardship until it comes to an end. That's what this is. And that's a lot. And I've had to learn this over the last number of months. So I want you to think back at any point in your walk. I know some of you shut down. We should be able to know the visible signs. If you've ever shut down, I want, you to, I want you to go back and read this with this insight in mind because it will revolutionize who God is on the inside of us. He doesn't want us failing. He, 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 he wants to, us to know that He's in the midst of it. Yes, there will be. He's actively working behind the scenes. You may not know. You may not know how to... You might have one little small piece of the puzzle, but he's got 50 other pieces he's trying to maneuver. That's his job. He doesn't always tell us how he's going to do something with all the details. He never does that. Abraham. I'm going I'm to insert this one in here. This is a bonus. 
It says, Elohim tempted Abraham in Genesis 22. Now the word for tempt there is nasa, and it's not the one that's nasa, to lift up. This one is the word that means to test. And we all know the test, the greatest test. I want you to take Isaac, your only son, who was a type of Christ, and offer him as a sacrifice to me. And he told him the place, and that was all he said initially. <laughs> How many of you can do that? I, 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 I don't know if I could. I have my son or daughter here, and the Lord said, hey, do this. And remember, knowing the end from the beginning, it was all about, was it about killing a kid? No. It was about total submission and obedience to the voice of God. That was it. Because later on, if you keep reading, it was because... I mean, that, that, and, and, and the whole story un unfolds. But that's the context. It was a test. The equivalent of what we're talking about here with the temptation. And so he, he gathers, up, gathers up all the materials. He gathered the wood that he's going to use to build the fire. To and that's the partnership. That's the thing that God... And why would God do that? Well, I mean, for a lot of reasons. But one thing stands out to me. If there's anything in our lives that we love more than Him, He will identify that and say, I want that part of you. I'm not saying that uh, Abraham loved Isaac more than anything, but I'm just saying he will put a finger, his finger on something on the inside of us. We're, we're, way, we're way in over our heads. We, if we keep going forward, he's always going to be refining us. We know that. Refining, because the closer we get to him, the more imperfect we become. He's, he's always going to be refining us. That's it. His perfect nature. He's perfect. So when, when, when imperfect meets perfection, guess what has to happen? Change. Every single time. And this is some of the things that people face as they're, you know, in us. Sometimes we're not willing, oh yeah, we say we want to change when there's no change to be made, right? Or when there's no finger pointed on that thing, and then God says, wait a minute, I need this. And then, and then it, it can be kind of tricky. So, I know we haven't made it very far. Well, we have made it uh, really far in this teaching. So, is this making sense? So, when you think of temptation, now, there's a lot of different types of temptation, okay? There's physical temptation that could be... I know this sounds kind of... Uh, Basic, food, drugs, throw sex in here with it, you know, whatever. That's physical. Material, money, clothes, social temptation, where people are out for revenge and gossip and social status. Um, emotion, emo, I mean, I can go down the list. Emotional, spiritual, where you start to doubt your purpose in God. Um, um, intellectual, there's all kinds... You see how temptation is far more than just some kind of, oh my God, he's going to, they're, they're going to sleep together. It's, it's beyond sexual. There's so many other temptations. And God is looking and knows every one of those in all of us. So, all right, so let's move forward. Where is this word used in other places? Now, this is located in the prayer uh, that, that Jesus mentions and, and refers to in Matthew 6, 19, uh, 9 through 15. After this manner, therefore, pray... Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into parasmos. Okay, wait a minute. I'm really confused here. I'm really not. I'm just... Notice he says, I am not leading you into that. But he, he allows things, or things can, so can be initiated, or, or but he, he's not leading us into that. He's not leading us into it, but he does allow it. 
But deliver us from Poneros, for thine is the kingdom, the power, glory forever, and you see the rest of it. But I'm glad that whenever we're faced with whatever this temptation might be for all of us, that He's there with us, and His ability and possibility is actively inside of us for us to continue to be able to function in Him, no matter what's going on. Now, over the last few months, has anybody noticed... Um, the, the probing nature of the finger of God inside you? Trying to change areas in you? What's been happening on the inside of... This is rhetorical, but I know there's a lot of things going, been going on inside me. And He's actively probing and saying change. Because we're, we're in this year where He's identified it as the Spirit of glory and of God, right? His presence, right? The presence. So when that, when that part of God begins to become active inside of us, He's wanting to change us from glory to glory. And so there's been a lot of that going on inside of us. Now Luke 11, 1 through 4, this is the same kind of prayer, but, it, but it, it adds a lot of different dynamics in here. And it came to pass that as He was praying, prosukamai, you're going to see this, this, this term used over and over again in relation to uh, temptation in a certain place when he had ceased one of his disciples says lord teach us to prosukamai that's what we're doing all over the world we're teaching people how to do this uh, and, and a lot of other things as john taught his disciples and he said when you prosukamai you say or you declare our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name and then he goes down the same trail and says lead us not into parasmos but deliver us from poneros I just think it's fascinating and interesting um, that He allows it, but He doesn't lead us into it. Matthew 26 refers to bringing together the concepts of watching and praying together. In Matthew 26, verses 39 through 41, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He went a little further and He fell on His face and He prosukamied, saying, O my Father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he comes to his disciples and he finds them asleep. And he says to Peter, he didn't say this to all the other disciples initially. He addresses Peter. He says, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch, Gregorio, and Prosukamai. Why are we doing these two things? so that you enter not into parosmos. So there is a strong connection that Jesus is making, and He's saying, be very watchful. And I mean, that's, that's a whole teaching. Pastor done that. And then, and, and then prosukamai. And as you do that, that, that will help you where you don't enter into this parosmos. And then He identifies the spirit within us. He says, the pneuma indeed is willing. Now this term for willing, I started studying it after that Wednesday night we had our time together because that's one of the words the Lord kind of highlighted. The word willing here is, is, is comprised of two words, uh, pro and uh, thumos. And it means to be forward in spirit. And if you look at it further, it means to be predisposed. Now predisposed, if you look at that term, all it really means is our spirit is mo about moving forward and, it, and, and predisposed is an inclination or a tendency, okay? So inside us, the, the pneuma is always wanting to move forward and it's inclined and it's got that tendency inside. Our spirit is never going to go digressing backwards, right? Never forward. I love that. At pro thumos. And if you the thumos there is to breathe hard. And that, that adds another element to this thing. So it speaks of the spirit within us, and it means um, also um, so when it says willing, it, it means it's always ready, prompt, willing. And and I looked at another reference and it means can be lively too. So our spirit, when it says our spirit's willing, it really describes his spirit within the place where, where we're born again is 
always moving forward. It's inclined to go in that direction, and it has that tendency. And, and when, 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 when our spirit is active, it, it could, we, could, we could put in here our spirit is willing, it's breathing hard after something and moving forward and trying to gain. There's a lot in that is what I'm saying. So really go back and study that. But then he says, um, the flesh is weak. We know that to, for a fact. So there's a stark com uh, comparison about the, our, our pneuma within and the flesh that is within too, but it's weak. Now I put Mark 14 here, verses 35 through 38. Mark kind of gives a different, a little bit of a different um, uh, perspective here. And he says he went a little further and he fell on the ground. Um, previously, we just read that Matthew said he fell on his face. Mark is saying he fell on the ground and he prosukamide. That's interesting too. And he always falls on the ground and immediately goes into this prosukamide, perfect prosukamide type prayer. That the hour might pass for him. And then he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible. That's, for, that's an interesting phrase, right? All things are possible. In this hour where the disciples should have been watching and praying, they're sleeping, right? Boy, he's got major support going on there, right? Bunch of slackers. He goes, and he goes to Peter and he's like, man, what are you guys doing? Couldn't you, couldn't you watch for just one hour with me? And it's in the middle of this, he, he's Abba Father expression. And then he says, all things are possible. I would think in that context, nothing would be possible, right? Because he's at one of his, when I say this, it's the wrong word, weakest moments, or that, that's, I don't know what term to use there. He's weakness in the sense of he's still operating in pure perfection. He's not sinned at all. But he still says in the midst of this, all things are, are, are possible. And he connects it to uh, the I think that might be, um, I didn't study it, but it must got to be connected to dunamai or one of, the, one of the terms that speaks of the ability and capability of God in the midst of this situation. And then he says, not my will, yours be done. Watch and pray so that you enter, so that you don't enter into parasmos. And then he re-identifies the spirit truly is ready, translated as ready, but it's same Greek word uh, pro thumos, but the flesh is weak. Now this next one. I have to be honest, and this, this goes again to how the Spirit highlights something in the midst of the season, whatever you're walking in. I hadn't really thought of, even though I've said it, it just has not registered in my spirit until now, where we've got Satan or the devil and temptation, parasmos. Luke 4, 19, or excuse me, 9 through 15. Now, I put in parentheses here that verse 1 and 2 says that Jesus is full of the saintly wind. He's led by the pneuma into the wilderness. For what purpose? To be tempted 40 days and 40 nights by the enemy. Tempted. Now I, okay. It's fascinating to me because I hadn't really connected... I, I, the temptation here, even though we, the temptation of the Son of God. But we say things sometimes and we really are not, it, it's not the time for that revelation or that insight to really come alive. And so in verse 9, it says, He brought me into Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you're the Son of God, trying to um, appeal to his identity as the Son, cast yourself down from hence. For it's written, He shall give His angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is said, You will not tempt, ekparadzo, which means to test in a thorough fashion the Lord your God. Hmm. And when the devil had ended all the parasmos, he departed from him for a season. Very interesting, right? I mean, that word for tempting here 
is connected to the enemy. But he was led by the breath into the wilderness for this testing, for this temptation. Same word. So he, he truly is showing us how to navigate temptation at the highest level against Satan himself. Yes, there's been teaching on, you know, being him trying to appeal to the identity of him being the son or sonship. That's all there. So God is even testing his only son. This is just amazing to me. I, did, I know there's a lot more and I'm just going to kind of let you think on that. And when, when this it came to a point of an ending. But the enemy, it says he left him for a season or Kairos. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. It just means for that time frame, there, there is an ending that will come. There is a, a way of escape, as it were. And look at verse 14, though. This is important. So he starts out being full of the saintly wind. And as he goes through this 40 day, 40 night temptation with the enemy and its warfare and uh, the testing of his identity as a son is, is, is very much there. In verse 14, it says he returned in the dunamis of the pneuma. There are new points of function that we will gain after the temptation is ended. I don't know, it's, just, it's really interesting. He functioned perfectly. Remember, I, you know, for me, I said, man, I, I, I didn't function perfectly. But out of that, though, there is something new that is changed on the inside of me. And there are new things that I know by virtue of walking this thing out with the Lord. And I think that's pretty remarkable, don't you? And then we have the parable of the sower. This is where the seed that fell on the rock and the time of temptation, parasmos, Luke 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are those that hear then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts. How can that happen? I mean, that, that's a, we know this to be true. How can the devil take out the word from somebody's heart? I mean, we could, we could oh, well, they, they allowed it. Well, I mean, it doesn't say the people allowed it. It says the devil came and he took it out of their heart. Uh, it's, a, it's a violent terminology. Lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, when they hear it, they receive the word with joy or cheerfulness or delight, but they have no root. There's no, there's no depth. There's no, no root system that's there. But they believe for a while. There it is. Pistuo from pistis, have faith or in trust. But in time or kairos of parasmos, they fall away. So just the parasmos temptation is very, very challenging. So much so that some people are going to just say, oh, I don't have anything to do with it, and they're going to fall away. And it's due to their, their own, um, I mean, not, to not have a root system. I mean, it's not totally, we're not going to totally blame the enemy. I mean, we have a responsibility in that as well. Um, we have a responsibility to believe what's being released to us, you know. So, Heavenly places, man, what, what is that? I'm seated in heavenly places. No, I'm not. I'm seated right here in this chair. What are you talking about? You speak Greek to me. Well, it is Greek, but it just speaks of something that's different, but we believed it right in the beginning. I mean, we, we believe that we're at the right hand at the throne, right? Jesus ever lives to make intercession, so we're partnering with him at that at our, our place there, right? Um... I'm going to kind of go through these, some of these quickly. Luke 22, verses 24 through 30. This is where the disciples are grappling with who's the greatest, you know, in that context. And, um, Jesus says this in verse 27. For whether is greater, he that sits at meat or he that serves, is it not he that sits at meat? But I am among you as he that serveth. 
Ye are all they which have continued with me in my temptations. Parasmos. How can he be tempted in this way? There's another verse that you'll see. He was, but he was, he didn't have any sin in it. He did this perfectly for us. So I put that in there just as a way to show the connection between. Um, Listen, anybody say, you know, we need to hear more about Jesus. Well, he, he's right here in the midst of this, right? Pastor's always bringing that, that phrase up, you know, a little bit. If, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So they're, 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 they go hand in hand with one another. And if you can't see that now after you've been born again for 30 years, you're never going to see it. You don't want to see it. <laughs> um, Luke 22 speaks of this concept again about my prayer and temptation, the Mount of Olives. Um, I do want to reference something here in this prayer. I'm going to start reading with verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Prosuchamai, that you enter not into Parasmos. And so he withdrew himself, a stone cast away, and he kneeled down. Now, I had not known this. Kneel down there is tetheme. Now, wait a minute. We, we all know God tethemate things into the church, right? But in this context, what, what would it mean? I mean, it means to place. So if you... So here he is. In this point of prayer... And he's kneeling down. So for me, what I, and I wrote this out for you here. This is my paraphrase. This was a perfect recognition of what was placed on the inside that was ultimately showing us total submission. So it had something to do with the tethemic because it's, it's inside, right? Placed in the church. He perfectly did this at a point where he should have been a total mess by virtue of everything that's going on. I mean, great drops of blood falling to the ground. So I just thought that was fascinating that Tethemi was used there for, and trans translated as kneeled down. So you have this physical demonstration, but it's more something that's inward. He recognized and showed us perfectly how to respond when things get very intense and very challenging while we're in our Garden of Gethsemane and we're being pressed and we're sensing things all around us. That's fascinating to me. And he prosuchamide saying, Father, if it's willing, remove the cup. And then in that context... God the Father says, okay, I'm going to dispatch this angel for the purpose of coming to invigorate you in this, in this moment. And being in agony, he prosuchamide more earnestly. His sweat became great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose up from prosuke, he was come to his disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said, why sleep you? Now, here's, here's another thing that he adds here. He says, rise and pray. Totally different thing um, made of two, two words, Anna and Hestime. And that just means to, to remember, they were at a point of sleeping and in a, in a slumbering state. And he says, it's time for you to stand up and then enter into prosukamai that way you don't enter into this parasmos. I say there's, there, there's, a, there's a lot there, and that's kind of all I'll say about that. Paul, in Acts 20, describes himself as serving the Lord with temptations. In Acts 20, verse 19, he says, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and parasmos, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. So he himself references this as well and then he also says this later to the galatians in galatians 4 verses 12 through 16 
by saying, And my temptation was in my flesh. You despised me not, you rejected me not, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness that you spoke of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I now become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And then if you keep reading a few verses down is when he starts speaking about the formation of Christ in them. And I think that's important in this context. First Timothy six, the rich fall into parasmos, a snare that leads to many foolish and hurtful lust. I'm not going to read all of that because you can actually see that there for yourself. And then we have the temptation in the wilderness. In Hebrews 3, 17 through 19, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, if you will hear my voice, harden not. Very similar to the hardened spirit, which means to render stubborn. In there, if you study the derivative, it also means dry, or it, it just means a hardened spirit or your hearts. As in the day of provocation. A pro provocation here means to embitter alongside or to, be, uh, to exasperate. And the root means irritation. In the day of Parasmos that was in the wilderness. Even this, this is referenced back to the, the wilderness journeys. When your fathers tempted uh, Parazzo me, proved me, and saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved. And grieved there doesn't have anything to do with sadness. It means he was really indignant towards them. And he said, you do always err. You roam away in your heart and you've not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that you would not enter into my rest. And he says to us, and, and he said to his people, take heed, which is a visionary term, blepo, to really look at, brethren, lest there be any of you with an evil heart of unbelief that will lead you in departing from the living God. So what's the remedy? What's the cure? Exhort one another daily, parakaleo. While it's called today, lest any of you be hardened, same word, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are all partakers of Christ if we hold to the beginning of the confidence steadfast in the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, hearing the voice is so important. <laughs> That's why it's there. Because if we hear His voice, we obey, we're not going to be hardened. But if we hear and we do nothing with what He says, then this hardening comes to the hearts as in the day of the provoc provocation. For some, when they had heard, they did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved for forty years? Was it not with them that had sin, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom he sware that they should never enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of their faithlessness, their disbelief, and them being unfaithful to what God was asking them to do. And there's a lot here. I'm going to end with this. Jesus, our high priest. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. If you don't think he knows how you feel, think again. <laughs> Mark, if you don't think he's there, think again. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, parazzoed, as we are yet without sin. He did not miss the mark. And because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of Caris to obtain mercy and to find grace that will give what we need in that time frame. And I love that. So there's, there's a few other things there that you could you know, go back and study for yourself. Um, Peter mentions... It, as a fiery trial and links it to the spirit of glory and of God resting upon us. Um, he says, you're going to think it's strange, but it's not strange. Um, I just love this, this teaching. And, then, and, and there's coming an hour in the end times 
This is the last page. That God is going to tarry those from this hour of parasmos that's coming upon the entire world. And it's meant to try them that are dwelling on the earth. And I'm not saying I think we're in this time frame now. We might be. I, I, you know, I'm not going to. That, that's God's determination with that. But when this hour comes, I want to be in the group that's, that's kept from this hour of parasmos. Because it is going to be very, very intense and, and very difficult. So, with that, I am done. So, any, anybody have questions or any comments? I know.